0: turn their retirement goals into reality and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan.
1: Welcome to the show. My guest today is Richard Wilson. Richard is the founder of Dentist Investor. They invest in dental practices and they help dentists who are investors. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ross. Good to see you again. So you have a very unique story. Uh, If you don't mind, give people a little background on who you are, what you do, because you have a lot of different things that you do.
2: Yeah, for sure. So 15 years ago, I started a investor club. Uh, Since then, we've hosted 185 live events. Uh, We currently have equity in about 14 different medical and dental clinics that do $37 million a year in revenue. What we found after running our investor club for a decade is that people who have gone to medical school and school for 10 years of their life and then went through residency and then started a medical practice and now are growing and employing lots of people very low risk. There's going to run off to Venezuela with your money if you give them some capital to grow, right? right? It's not like right. crypto hedge fund fraud scam worries and doctors tend to be nicer people than the average human beings. I went to school to help people. Um, and so we really enjoy working with dentists and doctors. We do work with ultra wealthy families of all types, but after a decade of running our club, we said, you know what? The smartest families on planet earth that we know and we just interviewed Mark Cuban yesterday for one of our uh, interview series on on billionaires.com, which is one of our platforms. But all the smartest families we know focus in just one to three areas, usually just one or two areas. And so what would narrow down all of our attention to is on the real estate side, we only invest into Airbnb properties because they're owned less than one percent by institutions. So we have our our division focused on real estate, only Airbnb, short-term rentals, and on the operating business side, only on medical and dental practices. And that way, there's just a lot of synergy and we're getting smarter all the time. And we're about four or five years down that path of having this doctor-dentist focus out of our 15 years being in business at this point. And uh, our division is called Dentist Investors, LLC. And um, we just help people delay the selling of their soul to private equity and help them get a little bit bigger before they sell majority control and now they have a job working for a partner, basically.
1: It's interesting because I have a lot of opinions on the whole DSO world, people selling their practice. And my argument is don't sell your greatest financial resource, which is your business. It's like getting rid of the golden goose. You're taking five to seven years of income, fast forwarding up front, and now you're a W2 employee, which has its cons. Now I'm not saying don't sell at some point, I spoke to one person, he was around 46 years old. He sold his practice for about 10 million bucks. And I said to him, what are you gonna do now? He says, I'm gonna manage my investments to which I responded, you ain't that rich yet. And uh, (laughs) so if I was 46 years old and I had an offer to buy from a DSO, I could have you partner with me, give me a capital infusion, help me scale the business, maybe help me on some internal systems, grow it, And then maybe 10 years down the road and selling, instead of selling for 10, I could sell for 30 or 40. And I really think that's where people either don't have the vision or just miss it. What's your take?
2: Yeah, so many good things to unpack from what you said. Uh, My take is that sometimes people want to sell because they've had to reinvest all their profits to grow. And I can relate to that. We don't have debt in our business. We don't have a big brother partner. We've just been reinvesting for 15 years But if you're always reinvesting your own money, then you're growing more slowly and you don't have money to get other real estate nest eggs in place or invest in other people's dental clinics. But if you grow and you're able to raise capital, not just bank debt, but also some private investor capital, hopefully from other doctors and dentists is what we find easiest, um, then what you're able to do is say, okay, the profits that come off, let me buy this fourplex. Let me invest into this industrial real estate fund or apartment building or the Airbnb fund that we run, et cetera. And then I won't put all of my own capital back into my one basket of eggs. I will have other investors coming in and that'll allow me to grow and grow the value of my platform exponentially while still securing this, this sleep at night, hard asset, cash flowing real estate that everybody wants as a percentage of their portfolio. And I think that's really important for people to realize and where we add the most value because it, it's valuable to have, you know, 300 plus doctors and dentists that we can bring to a dental practice and help them grow. But where we add even more value that I don't think almost anyone else is helping Dennis do is we have investment structures that we've learned through closing about half a billion dollars worth of deals for our clients. Uh, We're at $82 million worth of transactions closed this year. And we have structures where you can take a private investor's capital, give them a return of, let's say, double their money over a seven-year period or so. After you've doubled their money, maybe they had 10% of your business to help you grow, But after they've doubled their money, they just are left with an equity kicker. Maybe you redeem back 9%, 8% of their equity. Now you've only given away 1% of your business and they got the capital that you needed to add a few more locations and your business might be worth twice as much and you were diluted by 1% and you weren't permanently diluted, right? So that structure is worth more than bringing somebody capital and it's connected to what you just said, right? Because then people say, oh, well now... I'm getting diluted every time I raise capital. How is that good? Or you know, so those conversations come up quite a lot in our business.
1: So it's working with someone like you who has the experience and can think creatively. So many times it's like, hey, I'm either buying you out or I'm buying forty nine or fifty one percent, and that's it. And you're like, no, let's think creatively. Let's make this a win win because no one is unhappy doubling their money in seven years, nobody, and get the equity kicker on the back end that you just talked about, that truly is a win-win and you're helping someone grow the business without having to basically sell their soul as you basically said.
2: Yeah, yeah. And this is important whether you have one dental practice or you have a hundred. But what I found is the people who really appreciate this most are the ones who really value their business the most. They don't wanna give away 10, 20, 30, 40% and they feel stuck. If they grow organically, they're only adding one location every year or two, and they're really busy working on the business. And if they sell out too early and maybe, especially if they're only 46 or something, they feel like they probably had more juice in there. They could have gotten out of it. And a lot of people say, oh, well, is this cheaper than bank debt? I can just go to the bank and get debt. Sometimes the bank takes 60 days. Sometimes they change their mind at the last minute. Sometimes it's a huge hassle. Sometimes there's a deal right in front of you and you just need to go for it. You can get the bank financing sometime in the next 90 days as your schedule allows and you just need to grab that deal right in front of you and secure it. And so, um, a lot of our deals, like the last deal we just closed was seller financing, we put 75% down 25% on a 10 year note at 5.5%. So a lot of custom structures can be used, not just the one example we gave, but, um, but yeah, you're exactly right. There's, there's many options to for somebody who's still has the energy to keep growing.
1: Do you see when you invest in practices, how often do you see that you uh, really have to come in and maybe change the systems and streamline the business in those scenarios? So one really important thing is that if you sell a
2: private equity, they may be open and collaborative. They probably have a few things they may force you to do. Like you have to use Dentrix or you have to use our lab or you really have to do this or they strongly encourage things at the very least. Uh, with us, we're different. We try to find dental practice platform, many DSO, DSO CEOs that are growing. They're going 50 miles per hour. We help them go 60 miles per hour. So one of our deals, they had opened five de novos in six years doing 14 million a year in revenue. We helped them open up location number six. Now they're doing 23 million in revenue. We're not going in and telling them what to do. We kind of act as a head of investor relations for them or like an advisory board member that adds value on marketing. Originating um, dental practices to acquire and finding them deals to buy, as well as bring in capital. And two months ago, we bought the largest social media asset in dentistry called Dental Peeps. We bought that as well as uh, half a dozen other social media groups and rolled them all up into and rebranded it to Dental Club. So we have three hundred seventy-five thousand members in our hundred-plus social media assets in dentistry now which makes us the number one network on social media in the industry. And we get a ton of um, doctor flow, deal flow, doctors who want to invest through that. And so that is what we try to bring to the table. But we kind of stay in our lane and find a CEO who's already doing excellent and we will encourage them. Hey, you're probably ready to hire a $90,000 a year executive assistant. You're probably ready for a CFO or a CEO. Or maybe we should build out an advisory board of people who have sold their dental practices and DSOs so they can open doors and guide us along the way. So many times, dentists move too slow on having a very high-end executive assistant and having a CFO, a COO, and a real C-suite team that has nothing to do with delivering to patients, right? It's like growing the business. and it's your The C-suite team is often missing at that four to seven location range and people delay too long and it, it slows them way down.
1: Yeah, you said a couple of things that were interesting there. So, one thing you basically said is you don't meddle. You're there to be an advisor. You don't meddle and try and just fix what's theoretically not broken like a DSO is. DSO is going to come in and like change everything you're doing. There's no like, hey, we'll see what works for you. And it's like, no, 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 you're doing it our way. We have systems. That's how we do it. And you're like, no, I'm not doing that. But you said something else that was really interesting is, You know, I like to say we, you know, if you were asked somebody 10 or 15 years ago how they were doing, they would say, fine. If you ask them today, everyone says busy. Now, I don't think everyone's busy. I think most people just can't manage their time. But I think also has a lot to do with these phones we all have. But regardless, spending $90,000 in your example for an executive assistant, because most people are So scattered, especially if they're practicing clinically and not just the CEO type, they don't have time to do the administrative stuff that might be required for a bank loan. Or if they do, they have to cancel patients. So I think that's a really big deal, regardless of whether you're a dentist, a doctor, or you're just successful in general. And you and I have had that conversation. It's like it creates leverage for you. You spend 90, but you might be able to make two, three, 400 because of that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really an investment in yourself. You can spend $30,000 on an EA and they're going to mess everything up and never have worked anywhere before in their life, or you could spend 60,000, get a pretty good one in many parts of the country. But at 70,000 and above, they really start to separate themselves. And you're getting someone who has survived a decade under a law firm partner, or maybe has worked and managed an office at another dental clinic. And they're not just an EA, they're a project manager, operations manager, but it's really an investment in yourself. Because if you get someone who's a great investment, you'll get a great ROI off of that. And it's going to save more and more of your time. And the medical practices that scale, either hire a CEO, or oftentimes the owner is the CEO, they need to only be practicing one, two days a week. If you have three to five locations, you need to get down to one day a week. If you have more than four or five locations, and maybe you're just practicing one day a month or not practicing anymore when you get above seven or 10 locations, it's just not practical. And you'll be doing an injustice to your own net worth, your investors, your balance sheet, et cetera. By doing that, because it's not the best use of your time unless you have some real niche specialty skill and you just come in for these big surgeries or oversee a big surgery, uh, et cetera. So it's really important to get yourself out of the business and, and work on it to not work in it if you really want to scale a platform of dental clinics.
1: What do you see? Now, when you come invest, is it typically a single site or a multi site practice?
2: Good question. So if somebody has a really healthy, profitable single site and they seem like they have the capability to manage multiple locations, we'll invest in a single location. If it's just barely profitable and small, then we won't. We prefer multi locations, two, three, four, five, up to 15 to 20 plus locations. If you're already a formalized DSO, we're happy to work with you. Our number one investor is actually a billionaire who owns 36 dental clinics. He also owns half a dozen other medical clinics, and we've closed 19 transactions with him. Our next two best investors are a $250 million net worth uh, medical family and a $25 million net worth uh, doctor who's had a big sale. But we have 300 plus doctors and dentists who have had sales or make seven figures a year that we bring uh, into deals. So the most important thing is that we don't lose our clients' money and that we get a good to great return over a moderate amount of time. We're not in and out in one year. We're not looking to be in something for 30 years. And so we're just looking to help somebody to get to that next level without diluting them too much and have it be a, a win, 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 right? A win for us. We're usually joining an advisory board or gaining some equity in the company so that if we have them invest and they usually would give away 10% of their company after raising $500,000, if your practice is worth 5 million, right? You'd have to give away 10% equity. Well, now if we not only help you find that 500 K you need, but also help you structure it so that you only get diluted by 1% instead of 10 then we think it's pretty fair that we pick up some equity points on that. And now we can help you on every transaction you do for the rest of your platform's growth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What do you see as the difference between someone who owns a single location and someone who owns five or six locations?
2: I will tell you that dentists who are practicing are notoriously bad at communicating especially via email. So they are good communicators. You can't scale and grow without coordinating with partners, being great at hiring, following up with people like new doctors you want to acquire. And the number one bottleneck uh, we see is not knowing how to navigate the investment structures and not being able to recruit enough doctors. And so these things are connected. The a smart investment structure allows you not to get diluted, but get the capital you need. A smart partnership program allows people to know exactly what the plan is to have them be an equity partner in your medical clinic, but it vests over three, five, seven years. And if they don't stay and they don't have production numbers, they don't get free equity, but that they know they're being treated fairly. That's the number one reason why associates leave the dental practices is that they get promised to one day be a partner, but it's not clear when, it's not clear how. They're afraid they're never gonna get there. They're not excited or motivated. They don't treat it as their own business. They're not pushing to really... Uh, up production while still giving great service to the clients. And so these things are very much connected, but bad communication slows people down, not having a partnership equity program for associates, not having great investment structures. So now they're shy on bringing in capital and they just grow really, really slow and then sell to the private equity.
1: Yeah, that's interesting right there. So You've kind of got your ear on the street. You're in the space at a, at a pretty big level. You hear all different predictions on the DSOs. Some people will say in five years, there will be private practice, which I think is a little bit overzealous. Right. And some people said, well, they're never going to get to be beyond 50%. What is your take on the DSO trend? I mean, I think we could argue that it was motivated by low interest rates, but now that they found this space, They're not going to go away with interest rates going up. So what is your prediction on the DSOs?
2: Well, there's some things that are hard to predict, like, oh, what percentage will get aggregated and what number of years? You know, and on, on some level, you know, kind of who cares what what happens in terms of the speed of it. I always try to look at what is inevitable. And there are 140 private equity backed DSOs. There are also many DSOs that are just groups that have organized themselves, like some of them that we invest into. They're not private equity backed. We're just bringing some private investor capital to them and they own five, 10. Usually they don't get beyond 20 to 30 locations until a private equity group gets a hold of them and gives them an offer they can't refuse. But there are over 100 of those as well that have more than the the five locations and are growing. And there's uh, hundreds of ones that have two or three locations. I think that's important to say. But the other thing I see is that um, as the industry gets aggregated, those who hold out longer and either have fat margins, so they have a good EBITDA, or they have many locations, the number who have not taken private equity capital and gotten to 10-plus locations, 20-plus locations, will get higher and higher multiples. If, If a few of these end up going public and trade at 32 times EBITDA, they'll be happy to pay 17 times EBITDA all day long for someone who has many, many locations. Right now we see 12 to 15 times EBITDA for someone who has a dozen plus locations and they're healthy. You know, we see in the very low end, if you're selling to another doctor and not a DSO, you might only get three times profits or three to five times range on the low end. And then the mid range is kind of the four to seven times EBITDA, et cetera. But most importantly is that if you want to grow a platform, the longer you hold out, and improve the health of that business, then probably the higher multiple you're going to get, because there'll be very few independent people who have 20, 30, 50 locations. And with private equity firms knocking on your door and making you an offer once a week, all year long, then eventually a couple of them you'll get to know and trust. And eventually you'll say, yeah, well, if you pay this and only make me work for one year earnout." then I'll do it. And, you know, eventually they'll come to terms on something and want to grab your basket of assets. So just uh, don't sell out too early and just know that multiples, I believe, are only going to go up in the space as it becomes more consolidated.
1: So everyone's situation is different. If you're 64, 65 years old and you're selling, you're selling to a DSL, you need the money for retirement. If you're 46, like we talked about before, that's a little bit different animal. Who is somebody... What's the demographic of someone who should sell to a DSO? And what's the demographic of someone who should call Richard Wilson and say, hey, come invest in my practice?
2: Sure. Somebody who is a bit burnt out working at all. You could be burnt out on practicing medically and then elevate yourself to CEO position and not have to hurt your back anymore. And um, that's something for Dennis to remember after they've sold as well, the last time I talk to them about getting their money to work in dentistry and they say, oh no, I don't want to practice anymore. I was like, yeah, nobody talked about you practicing again, but what if you owned 5% or 3% of 10 different dental clinics that one day are probably going to sell, right? Now your money is put to work in the industry, you know best. Um, but if you're just burnt out on working at all, you're ready to retire. Um, you're over 60 years old, perhaps I would guess might be the age where you might think that maybe it's earlier and you just want out of the industry completely and never want to touch it again then it could make sense to sell to a DSO. Many of them are going to want you to stay three to five years. Many will compromise and have you stay just two or three years. But just know the better you run your business, the more someone will pay for it and the less earnout period you may have. So if you replace yourself before you try to sell your business, even if that new doctor's only been in place for a year and now you're all just working one day a month, I've had people just be on a two-month earnout on something like that when selling to a DSO. So keep that in mind. Um, if you are high energy and ambitious and you know that there's some untapped potential in what you could accomplish, even if it takes, we might work with you. If you're listening to this right now and help you open up location two or three or four, and it, that might take us 18 months to do that's fine. We're not a private equity group trying to scale you to hundred practices in the next 12 months. Um, if we can help you move faster and then the second year we open one location, the next year we open three, maybe five years from now, we have something substantial uh, and not in the first year, then somebody who has that mind of wanting to create a, a bigger future and have some control over how their future unfolds should be the one not to sell too early to a DSO. Because if you think about it, you've spent your ten thousand hours knowing dentistry. Now you have to learn how to scale your dentistry assets so that you get paid like a king for them instead of just paid for them and get a decent buyout that many people would love to get and work hard to get you might be able to get five, 10, 20 times the amount of money if you build a platform.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we can be so short-sighted, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you really have to have, if you sell out, you got have to have a, a plan for the next phase of your life. And like you said, if you've done your 10,000 hours and you, and, and you, and that is a space where you're an expert in, it can very easily be argued that you are leaving a lot of fruit on the table by not staying in the industry in some way, shape or form. And I think the CEO, the CEO role, as you're saying, is a great way to do that.
2: Right. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And when we uh, put out books, we've published uh, 13 different books. We help people who are ultra wealthy, create family offices. We have a book here. It's blue book, how to start a family office. The number one thing we try to really make sure that these ultra wealthy families don't miss is that you want to be, Thought of as the number one investor to go to in a very specific niche because if you can do that, you'll see deals first, you'll see them exclusively, and you'll get better valuations. Because there's a lot of money in the world, but if somebody's growing their multi-location dental practice, who would they want to come in as an investor? Someone who's already sold or who makes three million a year of profits on their dental practices, or just some random person who has knows nothing about dentistry is going to write that two hundred thousand dollar check. The other check is worth so much more. Uh, so you want to be that investor. If you've already sold your dental practice um, and you're like, oh, maybe I did sell too early or maybe you didn't and you're glad you did, you want to let others know that you specialize in that and get access to those deals that really allow you to do fast due diligence, high conviction deals, negotiate a better valuation, add value, help the company grow, help them play defense, um, and that that's really the best use of your money, getting put to work into anything.
1: So if someone... Was said with really what you said really resonated with them or like, you know, I would love to have someone help me grow. How would they get in contact with you? Sure. The
2: best thing is to shoot me an email at, Richard at Uh, You can also text message me or call me. Uh, just say why you're calling if you leave a voicemail. Um, but if you can text message me, it's best at 305-333-1155. And then our website is just simply dentistinvestors.com. And we've got dozens and dozens of examples of uh, creative deal structures and past deals done. We have over 100 doctor dentists as references. Ross and I have dozens and dozens of dentist friends in common. I've known Ross for years. He's known me for years. so. We'd love to chat with you, even if we never work together or work together a decade from now. We've been in business for 15 years, so we can move lightning fast when needed, but we can also just take time to get to know each other as, as friends in the industry. And uh, we're happy to leverage our our massive social media network with the, the Dental Club, which used to be Dental Peeps, uh, to perhaps help you as well if we're working together.
1: Well, I will say this. Obviously, you know a lot of people in the dental and investment space. I know a lot of people, and I think we could both say not all of them have the highest character. Um, And the reality is, you know, Richard and I have known each other about several years now, and Richard is a solid guy. You don't do what he's done. You don't work with the people and partner with people he's partnered with unless you are a high character individual. So it's worth the conversation. He's not going to try and sell you on anything. He's going to tell you what they can do. So if you want to grow, this is a conversation worth considering. So Richard, I really appreciate your time here today.
2: Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you being here too. And uh, happy to have you on our uh, family office podcast sometime and looking forward to seeing you at the uh, next dental conference where we bump into each other again, just like last week.
1: Sounds great. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan.
2: This has
0: been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan. Guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com.
3: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Paz, Guardian, or North Florida Financial and Opinion stated are their own. External sites and material are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain control, recommend or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, P.A.S. OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311 eight five zero five six two nine zero seven five. Security products and advisory services offered through PAS, Member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Or guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number one six one three nine zero three two California Insurance License Number 0L 10073 2022 146767. Expires 1124.
0: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit C Suite Radio.com.